The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Hello, I'm Santo Katsati, and you're on 3CR Community Radio. This is the Spoken Word Program, and on today's program, we're going to be looking at the Rhonda Jankovic Poetry Awards of 2016. It was a competition that uh, took place last year, but the winners were announced earlier this year, 2017. Rhonda Jankovic founded this program here on 3CR back in 2008, but she died on the 25th of November 2012. And uh, when that happened, a number of her supporters, uh, inspired by her very laudable achievements and by the knowledge that these were attained in the face of daunting hurdles, um, felt moved to initiate an ongoing tribute which would actively promote Rhonda's values. Uh, Of course, Rhonda was um, also someone with a very passionate commitment to both social justice and poetry. And Basically, these things are being combined in the society that um, was eventually named uh, after Rhonda. Um, immediately after her death, um, sponsors contributed to a Friends of Rhonda fund, and that largely paid for the posthumous publication of her fantastic book, Your Heartbeat in Mine, uh, and then followed the formation of the Rhonda Jankovic Society for Promotion of Social Justice Through Literature. So what I'll do on today's program is actually read the um, prize-winning or place-getting poems in the Rhonda Jankovic Poetry Award of 2016. There's also a short story award, but um, I'm just going to do the poetry awards. And um, there's uh, poems that are commended, highly commended, and there was a third prize, a second prize, and a first prize. So I'll actually read um, all of those poems myself on this program. But just before I do, I've got a bit of time here, um, I'd like to actually read out the very brief judge's report um, about the competition overall. The judge of the Poetry Awards was the very well-known and very respected and very experienced poet uh, and teacher Claire Gaskin. And uh, she did comment on every single poem that got uh, either a prize or a place. But um, she also wrote a very brief paragraph um, about what she thought of the competition overall, so I'd just like to read that. Writing plays a big role in exposing inequalities. Writing validates difference by depicting individual experience. It can break apart prejudices perceived as immutable truths, thereby subverting existing power relations. Additionally, persecution and trauma can lead to a loss of a sense of self. Writing can be an antidote. Once you write something down, you read it. You have created a self as reader, and you have created a relationship to self. As Nietzsche says, you are at once subject and object, at once poet, actor and audience. Nietzsche argues in The Birth of Tragedy that art both exposes and provides solace for the suffering in life. The strongest poems in this competition had the feel of authentic lived experience. They illustrated social justice issues with sensitivity, with specifics rather than generalisations. The strongest poems were free of condescension, 
with a strong sense of the position they were speaking from. All the poems I read were sincere and took social justice seriously. So that's what Claire Gaskin thought about the competition overall. But uh, let's get stuck into the actual poems, and I'm going to begin by reading uh, three poems that were commended in the Rhonda Jankovic Poetry Awards of 2016. A Model of Persecution by René Abbott. His cappuccino hands wore the stain of years, oiled in prosciutto mouldings, salted with the savoury tradition of provincial delicacy, tempered like swatches of Cheyenne suede, stretching sinuously across veins' Venetian channels, where the flavours of France wafted wistfully across and danced in copper chambers with brie and camembert. His palms were a marketplace of mementos, the clock of conformity never granted, keepsakes never allowed to be gathered by the yearning of his empty grasp. A fullness of fervour overflowed from fingers fretting with frustration, ripened with olive groves of time, preserved with eagerness to melt into Europe with the white static of Austrian snow, these hands which posed in triumphant geometry upon his catwalk hip, these hands which photographed the coasting chestnut teals, reduced to meekly fumbling for a coin and folding paper into a weathered wallet with humility's resolve, wondering when the train will come in. Pointless seems the past of unfulfilled dreams when his mind twirled through Sunset Boulevard, riding on leather interior, when his life was a sports car, fast, unrelenting. The brush of wind sifted his hair into dandelion forks, fronds of Californian style. How he longed to feel the biting blades of American sun, massage his cinnamon nape below a Greg Norman shade, as he bolted through the hills with the top down and cedar-scented aftershave spritzed enchantment through a balmy twilight. But the days had expired when eyes would see validity in these hands, when the illusion of youth would deceive its way into employment, and the mirage of vitality would persuade its way into acceptance. I sicken at the waste cast upon the dust, the meticulous selection of stitches paraded for auditions of rejection. Hands of world-class potential, reduced to holding a road sign, just because they were not made to hold heaviness in a shovel. One persecuted, his only sin, being too beautiful, flaunting too much perfection. He shone too brightly. All at once, with constancy, pawns in society's uniform felt displaced, sabotaging stately aspiration, regal attire, for their own stability of plainness, favouring the winter trees, bare, unthreatening, lacking the adornments of bloom, these hands which quivered with premature age, clipped by convention before they could fly, these hands which one day held me in a blanket, are now tucked into my mind, in my blanket, where I try to warm their spearing icicles of fear as they hold on to my arm forever. Humanity by Lawrence Barker When ethnicity, disability, sexuality, maturity, femininity, meet, hostility, bigotry, comfortable complicity, negotiable neutrality, institutional impunity, pious perversity, malleable morality, venomous veracity, or temporal turbidity, from the malevolent minority or the mute majority, it 
circumvents our civility, erodes our equality, diminishes our dignity, our individuality, integrity, generosity, acuity, alacrity, simplicity, sanctity, security, our humanity, and our world loses luminosity. Pity. Don't Go Home by Cecilia Morris At New Haven Hospital, curled up deep in the bed, neat little man, pebble glasses, sits bedside, asks questions, disappears, reappears throughout the night. Each time thoughts dismembered, laid out eulogies, a mouthful of memory, my voice tells something in strangled words. I visit scuffed dust of the playground, touch of metal from a swing, pushing and catching, witches on broomsticks, swooping low, beating air close to the head, fearful. I should have gone mad, but continued as his gold-plated tongue demanded more and more. Each week another overnighter, your truth when you were five, your father knew you too well, misguided LSD tripping, that's his interpretation. I stopped treatment, that's enough. Little by little the patterns of life reassembled. My children played on bikes. My husband continued his external life. The board sent the master of the needle to prison to practice on the prisoners. The practice of giving patients psychedelic drug LSD was used in New Haven Hospital in the 1960s and 1970s. Later the hospital was closed down. You're on 3CR, this is the Spoken Word Program, and in today's program we're listening to the prize-winning and place-getting poems in the Rhonda Jankovic Poetry Award. And uh, let's move on to the highly commended poems. Emergency Care 1-2 by Kerry Hart They're always called the carer, even when they don't. Some smell of cigarettes, turn up stale and unshaven in tracksuits, real casual. One wore a T-shirt saying, I don't scare, pointed it out when I showed no interest. We are a tribe, us GOM kids. Guardianship of the minister takes too much of their time to say, so we get abbreviated, categorised, shortened, stunted, reduced to a cliché, but we don't complain. Pick your battles, my brother says. Taught me the code. He's in juvie now. 
Mr. Certainty. You never know who you're getting. Handovers after bedtime. Forget trust, you wait it out. Wait for your path to cross greener fields where poppies grow and white powder dusts you up. Till then you settle for Ritalin, Valium, anything you don't have to start a riot for. The carers teach us limbo. Aim low, they say. You guys ought to blitz this. We know they're mocking us. After a while. And we let them. So meals come on time. The TV stays on. We get the odd treat. And wake up is quiet and gradual. The hot water doesn't mysteriously run out and take months to get fixed. And the phone... The phone stays connected. Mum and Dad are a distant blur, like a disappointing snapshot of something you know is supposed to look better than it actually does. Some of the nicer carers poke and probe, playing detective, uh, or psychotherapist, as we say. I give them nothing. Their questions slide down me and gather dust. Bird of Paradise Bush by Fiona Lynch A South African flock, alien among Oceania's managums, acacia, cowrie pine and candlestick banksia, sculpted heads, badged in pride-of-country headdress. Orange crests, purple-blue spikes standing to attention. When the dust stirs, the birds fly close to each other, eyes combing front, back, sides, their heads pulse and twitch in the feeblest breeze. Red necks strain, always half listening for a cocked gun. It's harder to flee from a standing start. Sestina by Cecilia Morris Red carpet cushioned white satin shoes as virtuously I move from the tight-fisted house, and the stepfather, who uses me for pleasure, enters my room at night quietly when mother works late night shifts. He says it's play lies on the pink candlewick bedspread, and in secret his hand and mouth touch soft body secrets. Mother happily told her sister how virtuous he was, a good father who was unusually playful. Because he had an abnormal childhood housed in many different institutions, quietly at sixteen I made plans to leave for the pleasure and love I would find with Bill. It was pleasing to finally elope, although I still held the shame of my secret. We lived in a small rural town, peaceful and quiet. Bill managed the land farming, and virtuously I looked after him, happy to nurture our home life. I enjoyed learning that I could play well the role of wife. His headlights flittered in play when he returned nightly and we dined with pleasure. I finally spoke of my candlewick nightmare housed in the mind, the humiliation I kept secret. Bill helped me to heal, emphasised virtues of mind that he loved, and my shame became quiet. Mother died, and now I understood her moody days of quiet withdrawal. On Sundays she'd sing and play music, giving strong voice to God's virtues. Then she was sweet and never unpleasant. There was her diary unveiling my father's secret. She was aware of his visits when she'd left the house, on nights that she'd worked, because on her return home he was very elated, my bedroom door not quite closed, the pink bedspread held the form of his secret. She knew of his strange gaze on me when we played, feared loss of their marriage, and remained pleasant, 
told friends repeatedly of her husband's manly virtues. Now I house no secrets, and as I watch my children play, discover joy in quietness, family life so pleasurable, harbour no secrets, and know hope is a virtue. Bright memories now housed in my mind, children playful, owls hoot calling at night, when it's quiet darkness pleasurable. Now no secrets, I rejoice in a life real, not virtual. You're on Community Radio 3CR. This is the Spoken Word Program, today being presented by Santo Katsati. And we're featuring the place-getting and prize-winning poems in the 2016 Rhonda Jankovic Poetry Awards, which were announced earlier this year. And so we now come to the actual prize winners. The third prize went to Jessie Two for her poem Solitary Confinement. My mother knows this house well. She knows its speech and candour. For years since our migration from the foreign land of our birthplace, it has become her dearest friend, her only friend, her orphan and her orphanage. During the years of our schooling, the years I've now forgotten, the house became her companion her closest confidant and saving grace. She'd leave only to walk out the front to admire its view from the street, to trace with her gaze its tall, impervious frames in all its shiny, double-bricked splendour. She'd spend her day studying its cracks and misalignments, the timber limbs and uncanny scars, they provided a comfort, a reciprocated respect, something not quite present through her relations with people. I had not known of the quiet dissatisfaction. I had not known of the wailing walls. I had not known of her secret mantra and the space between the two cracks on the ceiling that comforted her when my father lost his humanity. I remember the night my father forgot we were in the house and slammed his head against the kitchen door and my mother emerged after we were put to bed and wiped the crimson spots on the splintered knob. My mother spoke to the rooms often. She spoke to them more than us. Had I known of its meaning, its worth, I'd not have signed the papers. 
The second prize in the Ronda Jankovic Poetry Award of 2016 went to Julie Chevalier for her poem 13 Ways of Looking at a Sunflower Seed. Sunflower Seeds 2010 is by Ai Weiwei at White Rabbit Gallery after Wallace Stevens. A treat in the Mao years. Some days. Sunflower seeds were our only food. On the gallery floor, a mound of porcelain seeds, painted by villagers. Visitors pass six precious seeds, hand to hand. In famine, a man and a sunflower seed are one, are the artist the people of Jindajin, and a porcelain seed also one. Among twenty snowy mountains, cold fingers kneading clay, a fear-pierced wayway on the gallery circuit is the art, the making or the idea. In a crunch of green light, a half-ton of sunflower seeds walk on them, hear them break. To stop seeds jumping into pockets, art guardians erected barriers. Weiwei was of three minds, like a tree in which there are 1,600 unemployed workers. Why do you imagine gold? Do you not see the sunflower turning its head? We did not know which to prefer, the comfort of money or the comfort of the full belly, our slip-cast seeds for sale. Or just after, small seeds in galleries, we know the rhythms of cross-border translations. $120,000 at Sotheby's, many pockets filled, we follow our porcelain road. For sale on China Buy, our sunflower seeds, direct, 25 cents each plus 150 postage, it was evening all afternoon on Taobao.
on 3CR. This is the Spoken Word Programme. Just in case you're wondering, all that piano music, the very evocative piano music and very pensive piano music that you're hearing throughout this programme are selections from the Nocturnes by Gabriel Fauré. Very appropriate, I think, to the poems that uh, have been read. And so we now come to the first prize winner of the Rhonda Jankovic Poetry Award of 2016. And the first prize went to Stephen House for his poem, Who We Are. I'm walking along the beach with my partner of 39 years, as we do most days. We chuckle at a dog and child playing, watch a Pacific gull hunting for crabs, paddle together in the shallows. He takes my hand. I'm not as steady on my legs as he is. A young man and woman jog together towards us, pass us at the water's edge. Old faggots, he sneers and laughs. Disgusting, she adds. They keep running on their way. He lets go of my hand. That hurts. More than their abuse did. We keep walking. Now maybe fearful of touching in front of others. Unable to be completely who we are. Two men in love, happily growing old together. He smiles into my eyes. I smile back at him. We continue on our beach walk. I grab his hand. He squeezes mine. We know what we feel for each other. It's beautiful, not disgusting. that actually wasn't a nocturne by Foray. That was uh, very appropriately for the prize, first prize winning poem of the competition, the Ronda Jankovic Awards. That was one of his Romances sans parole, uh, Romances without words. And now just a brief community announcement. For the first time in Australia, Slam-a-Lama Ding Dong, which is a poetry slam that's run here in Melbourne, is sending a team of poets, the top four from their Grand Slam in May, to the United States to compete in the Poetry Slam Inc.'s National Poetry Slam, which is uh, in August in Denver, Colorado. And they need your help to fundraise so that they can buy the flights and pay for the registration and a whole bunch of other travel costs. They are looking to get about $10,000 probably more. So um, if you want to donate, go to their website. It's www.slamalamadingdong.com.au. I don't think I'll spell it. I'll just say it slowly and you can work out how many syllables is in it. Slamalamadingdong. www.slamalamadingdong.com.au. Well, we've come to the end of the program. 3CR's spoken word program is on every Thursday morning from 9am to 9.30am, and 3CR is located on the AM dial at 855. You can also catch our program by um, looking for the podcasts on the 3CR website, www.3cr.org.au. Until next time, this is Santo Cazzati signing off and shutting down. (laughs) 